Welcome to Vibrant Potential. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Frickman. This is our last show of 2015, so Happy New Year. You are really in for a treat today. I'm interviewing my very good friend, Sherry Teigman. I love doing this show because I get to talk to such fun people, interesting people, amazing people from around the world, some of whom I've been friends with for years and some of which I've never spoken with and probably wouldn't have if I wasn't bringing you this show. So it's a fun mix for me, and I sure hope it is for you as well. Have you ever met someone you almost instantly felt a connection with? Today's guest, Sherry Teigman, is one of those people for me. She is a transformational coach. She works a lot with creativity and also with copywriting, actually, which is a unique quality about Sherry's coaching. I literally only met Sherry in November of this year. In fact, this interview is really one of the first uh, two or three conversations that I've even had with her. So you get to kind of eavesdrop in on this. And you'll see if you listen to this interview, in the beginning of the interview, it starts out a tiny bit slow. And then as we start talking, we really get in deep with some stuff. It's I love this episode. It's my favorite episode I've done so far. To give you a little bit of context, my first question to Sherry was, who's your ideal client? I asked her this because I wanted to give you some background into who she spends much of her time working with. As you'll hear, her ideal client is a lot like you. I'm doing the show note page a little bit differently for this one because although we really get into some deep stuff and touch on what really drives Sherry and myself, as I listened to this and tried to pull out some show notes, some highlights for you guys on the show note page, I had a really hard time with it. Uh, It's honestly the deepest, most raw conversation I've had on the show to date. And I'm just not going to do any highlights. So you're just going to have to listen to the show all the way through and listen to it for what it is. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to Vibrant Potential. We provide you with everything you need to know to overcome stress, fatigue, and chronic health challenges, as well as optimizing your performance in fitness, relationship, and business. We use integrative health solutions and functional medicine strategies, including brain-based approaches, inspired fitness tips, emotional intelligence coaching, and spiritual growth techniques, so you can live the life you want, connect deeply with others, and fulfill your vibrant potential. Your host is functional medicine expert, genetic biohacker, and triathlon coach, Dr. Chris Frickman. about your like who's your ideal client so actually I have a couple of ideal clients uh one version of my ideal client is I like to call them the average Joe or Jane who just is kind of living that groundhog numb life day so like Donald Trump over and over again <laughs> exactly jobs like that kind of obviously you know yeah. the non-achievers okay uh, <laughs> People who are on paper moving through life like they were told they were supposed to, but they don't feel anything. Mm. And for most of the people that I end up working with, it's not, although some have dramatic stories. The interesting thing about choosing to change your life is that if the story is not dramatic from a socially acceptable place, i.e., you're homeless, you're being beaten, and then all the people around you say, good, go find your way, good for you, get out there, how can we help you? Most people's lives are not that dramatic, but I'm my perfect example. I'm my ideal client a few years ago is my life looked wonderful from the outside. It just wasn't my life. I wasn't working for me. I didn't feel like myself. I didn't feel anything actually. So having the courage to kind of step out and say something's not working, then reverse engineer figuring out where you feel stuck, what's missing, what you really wanted in life, finding your values and mission and build a life and business, both one or the other relationships, all that around that. Like you had said when we spoke, like you check in with yourself, like is this in line with the kind of life that I want to live? Because it's not about slapping a new label on your head. If something's not working, human nature is then to climb into another box because it feels safe. So, Oh yeah, more comfortable. 
Exactly. So it's like, okay, this is a new one and I don't know the rules yet. So I'll take the time to learn the rules. Then you're not happy there either. So really being brave enough to bust open the boxes, know you're supported, seen and understood to really create a life that you really believe in. Uh, The other kind of client that I have is that same person who's building a business because I'm all about like sparking souls. And I think that any entrepreneur who's worth their weight in online bandwidth is um has the soul has their soul tied in with their business they have a why they have a mission they have something that they're trying to accomplish or add to the world that they don't feel is out there in their own unique way but again they get afraid they start doing everything like everyone else does the programs start looking the same the languaging starts looking the same they don't use their story they just kind of neuter everything to blend in with the masses and then they don't understand why it's not working why they don't want to show up clients aren't showing up they're not making money and so then I work on like the creative business mentoring of breaking those boxes down helping them weave their story and their message in really understanding like that heart-to-heart connection like sure SEO is really important and all that kind of stuff and having all your systems in place is great but if you don't have your heart in there nothing's gonna happen so I write copy for clients I do packaging I really help them connect with their ideal community so that the sales is secondary. It just kind of happens because they're so in their own light and they're so doing what they need to that their fingers on the pulse of what comes next. It's like the opposite of how people think it needs to work. Like they build a building, their business, and they slap pretty paint on and pretty pictures on the wall, but there's no foundation. So they don't understand why something doesn't work or works for a year or two and then stops working and they don't understand how to adjust or calibrate to growth or change in the industry and their clients or even in themselves they just kind of get stuck it sounds like those two people are almost the same people but the second the second person is like one step further down the path sort of like they already took the leap maybe Exactly. And now they're exactly. like, oh my and gosh, what do I do? Yes. <laughs> exactly. And, and the thing is, is that it really is twofold because there's the starter ones who don't even know that they don't feel anything, but they know something's off. And then the ones who took a leap and then start getting comfortable again and they don't realize to see the signs of you're doing it again at another level because that's what we do. We all have to stay on task for ourselves when you play a bigger game to make sure you're you know, continuing your growth, you're continuing to crank out of those boxes to undo, make U-turns when you start slipping into your old ways. Like it's just human nature. We're all humans are insane. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, yes. On one level for sure. And then on another level, if you think about it from like a survival perspective, it sort of makes sense. Of course. You know, we do. It makes complete sense. You know, oh gosh, like that's not safe. Like, and I want to be safe because I want to live. So absolutely, I need to go over here and do this or whatever. Completely, uh, and it's about kind of like flipping that fear. You know, people who succeed, those Trumps and Steve Jobs, doesn't mean they don't have fear. They have a different relationship to it. They see it as a challenge. They see it as exciting. They fuel it from passion and move through it, as opposed to it's like the invisible fence that the dog has, like. Yeah, I'm good. I'm going to just look from over here. I have good vision. I I could see over out yonder. I don't really need to go in and check out what's going on over there. Do you ever bump into people that did go out there? They they did extend themselves. And now, like when you meet them, they're they're kind of in a phase of like maybe pulling back or maybe they did pull back. They went out there and they they kind of got bit or something yes yes and now they're like okay now i'm searching for safety again very much so that's actually a lot of what i see especially in the second type of client the business type of client because there's no guarantee in entrepreneurship so i have one of my favorite success stories i'll call her as a client is a client of mine who has a very successful business and she had a failed launch i mean and literally lost about thirty, forty thousand dollars in like Facebook ads and launch plans and all this stuff. And her biggest growth happened because of that quote unquote failure. It she redefined everything she believed in, who she was, the direction of her business, because she was back on autopilot and listened to other people telling her what she should be doing in her business and she stepped off of her track 
And not that it couldn't have worked, but today she'll tell you she's so happy that she lost that money and had that massive fail because I met her in January. We've been working together since then. Her entire self has changed, her relationship with her husband, her relationship with her children, her business. She's made triple the amount of money. And I know it sounds fake, but it just comes from those fails being learning curves or you really test how resilient you are when something doesn't work. I mean, anyone can succeed when everything is going smoothly. You're a rock star. Like I've got this. Soon as there are hit, there's a hiccup, all of your old fears are going to come back. All of the things that you're afraid of are going to come all the way up as though you're being attacked by a pack of lions. And right there's where the work is. Like, what are you afraid of? What are you wanting instead of this? And then we slowly inch back out because being bitten is part of life. Like, no one said life was going to be easy or safe. But if you stop feeling, then you don't feel the good stuff either. You protect yourself from the pain, but you have a very small range of motion in terms of your emotional scale, and that's not really living. Yeah, absolutely. That That's what I'm always doing is with myself and what I'm trying to do with, with others. When I talk about vibrant potential, I want to help people live more life. Oh, it's so sad yes. how we limit ourselves. Yeah. And it is because of that survival thing, but then we're not actually living. We're just surviving if, at best. Right. Right. Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yes. Right. You can't only stay at level one and just not explore the rest. Yeah. Not if you want to reach self-actualization. <laughs> yes. Correct. That, that's why that one's all the way at the top. <laughs> right. So Sherry, how do you, and maybe this isn't how you think about it, so you can, you know, let me know, but how do you help people to create at least a perception of safety that's sort of outside the normal societal box or whatever, but that fits for their life, that fits for their vision of their dream that, that you maybe help them map out even, but people need to, there's this whole idea that you're, you'll be more successful if you're comfortable being uncomfortable. So there's that whole thing of kind of letting go of the illusion of safety. But at the same time, it's, I think it's a need to just have safety. And so do you ever try to help to construct some kind of safety net? I actually do. It's a great question because I'm some, I'm a creature of comfort and habit. Um, given what I've been through in my life, I'm actually not that comfortable being severely uncomfortable. A little bit of discomfort here and there is okay for me, but I'm my ideal client. So um, I understand how valuable it is for that safety to be there in order to try one toe in. So it's a great question because I'm a big believer in creating a safe haven uniquely for that person. There's no blanket answers and people who give them bug me. Um, I, it bothers me when like, oh, just go be brave, just push through. That's awesome. But I don't have a whistle. It's not my personality. Some people that works for, but I believe in honoring where people are. So if that's not where they are, then I would never dare push them because honestly, it's not going to work. They're just going to retreat even more. So what I like to do with my clients is kind of uh, simulate safety within the change so that their self-care is amped up. They have ways to cope within the midst of the changes as well as even systems in their business where they're comfortable in. So if there's a day where they're not feeling so brave or not feeling so bold, they can work on tasks that are smaller and feel more safe so that they can build that courage muscle for when they need those bigger pushes out of the comfort zone. Hmm, For example? For example, in terms of life, like I'm a big yoga person, although I'm a certified yoga teacher. I rarely do it because I don't listen to my own advice. But I know on a day, I've learned to listen to my own signs instead of just getting afraid of the fear, almost like a little child. Like, are you hungry? Are you tired? Are you thirsty? Do you need to play? Do you need fresh air? Do you need a nap? 
So what do I need? When I start getting too much in my head and frightened, I automatically, automatically know it's a trigger for me to do the opposite and get back in my body, get grounded in my body, feel myself, whether it's outside in a walk, whether it's gentle yoga, sometimes it's more rigorous yoga. I, I learn to listen to my signals of what fear means to me because they're different parts of fear. Some of it's excitement, some of it's full on panic. So I've learned to answer the fear with the call of what it's looking for. Uh, so, and then in terms of business, I love to write. So my default is writing. So if there's a day where I don't feel like being visible on social media or I feel overwhelmed by a task or feeling not enough in the next level of what I want to get to, which is standard upper limit probably, you know, as soon as you start moving out of that comfort zone, your inner critic is going to go on full alert. So it's very natural. So I know for myself to give myself props for celebrating the small things. If I can't do anything but sit down and write, I'll write and know that I gave myself a gift in the midst of a fear because it answers it instead of the fear winning. Okay, that's great. And I mean, this is really, this part, this question is only going to be maybe applicable to people that are entrepreneurs. If you have a job, then essentially, I mean, this is a stereotype, but essentially you kind of go to, you know, you're at work, you're at home, you wake up, you're at home, you're living your life, and then you go to work, you clock in, you leave your life outside, and you work and you do whatever you're supposed to do, whatever you're told to do, or, or maybe, maybe you're even, you know, coming up with, uh, maybe you're innovating and, and you're improving whatever you can at, at, at your job and things like that. I'm not saying people with jobs aren't you know, creative or passionate, but, but there's this, you know, you're clocked in kind of, even yes. if you're on salary, you're, you're, you're doing what your, your job is right now. And then you, you quote unquote clock out and you go home and then you start living your other life again. Correct. So for people that are entrepreneurs or people that have a job, but they're trying to start their own business or, or whatever, how do you guide them in? Oh, right now this is a, like I'm not comfortable how do I know if I need to go do some yoga and get in my body or how do I know if you know what I need to just take some steps in my business even though I'm uncomfortable because it's not going to move forward if I don't take any steps it's a great question so two answers to that so if you're someone who works in a job I find that a massive numbing spot where, like you said, they step in from one life to another life and you're almost the tennis ball in the tennis match and you don't feel either side. So there are people who have great job satisfaction and they lean in so completely to their role at work and what they do, but then they neglect their regular life where they're, you know, the numbers on the uh, satisfaction scale may be lower. So then they throw themselves into work and then they see themselves through worth, their worth comes through their job, all that kind of stuff, which obviously job security, no matter how secure it may feel, is never secure. You never know what's going to happen in the world or in, you know, the economic world for sure. So for me, it's about, I, I like the word balance sometimes and I don't because I think that there are times in life where you push and it's unbalanced and other times where you pull back and it's more balanced. But making sure that all the lights are on in all the different rooms of your life. So if you notice yourself only leaning into work. Notice that it's because there's something going on in your personal life or in your home life outside of work that you're not feeling fulfilled in. So you're tipping too much to the other side. So that would be a place where, or flip side is you're miserable in your job and you don't know what to do about it because you need it and it pays your bills and you have to feed your family, all that kind of stuff. But it's about fleshing out your passions outside so that you're life at work doesn't feel so miserable. So it's it's balancing the number scale so that you can kind of find life satisfaction in all places. And sometimes when you color in your life outside of work, you then may be courageous to do something that you hadn't thought of, such as look for another job, go out on your own, speak up for yourself at work. But because you bolstered your own self-confidence outside of work, you're a more colored in version of yourself. You're more awake and aware to know what is okay for you, how to be treated or what's okay for a circumstance for you to be in versus not. On the flip side, when you're talking about doing your business, you know, working on an entrepreneurial 
aspect of a business, yes, stuff does get have to get done. And I've faced that many times with myself and my clients. Like, sure, I'd love to just leave and go to yoga, but it's not responsible. I have stuff I need to take care of. And that's absolutely true. But there's also taking notice of when your cup is so empty or you're stressed out or coming at something from a lack mentality or scarcity and fear mentality, whatever quote unquote work you try to bang out isn't going to help the business anyway. So yeah, knowing I, when to I think step that's away. like yeah. a, a super key right there that you just hit on, at least for me, because I have, I have more than one business and more than one major project in more than one business. And, um, and I'm someone that really values family. So I, I like to spend a lot of time with especially my girls and uh, Shamini, my partner. And and I really value my fitness. And so that takes time to to continue to, you know, work out and, and be active and stuff like that. And there, so there are different, you, you know, you mentioned the lights on in all the rooms. I'm curious what all the rooms are. Like if you, if you have that mapped out in your head of like, well, there's the physical health room and the exactly. whatever. Physical but, health. Uh, there's a spiritual arena. There's the business aspect. There's the self-actualization aspect of what parts of you are you not fulfilling because you're so busy being all the labels? You know, what else yeah. is there of you? Because I think that's very yeah. important. Because someone can run a whole career and feel very good about it and then they either lose their job or they become, you know, they retire, all that, and then they have to redefine. I mean, parents have this when kids leave the house. There's so many stages of life. Exactly. There's so many stages of life that we can't be prepared for all of them. But understanding that at the start of the day and the end of the day, you are your own unique little ecosystem that needs to be tended to. And again, there are times and years in your life where things are going to fall by the wayside. But when you do lean into family, when you do lean into physical fitness, and I know for you, physical is so important and how we do one thing is how we do everything. When you really test your boundaries in terms of training for a race, things like that, you face all the fears that you're going to come up in come up against in all areas of your life. So I know for me when I was doing my yoga training and headstands are not my thing, watching myself from off my mat, how frustrated I get at myself. I'm like, oh, this is what I do in every area of my life. And I got to use the physical lesson to learn a deeper lesson about myself and my reactions, my fear, my sense of self, what I believed I was capable of, what I learned to push the limit on and know I was okay whether I failed or not, but the fact that I gave it a shot, all those things really come into play. And I know it's a lot of the work that you do. You know, the race is the end game, but what happens until then is where the magic happens. Yeah, for sure. Are you familiar with the term multi-potentialite? I am. I am that. I think I need a t-shirt. I am a multi-potentialite. (laughs) so here's so this is like another question i mean people that know me even a little bit sort of it's like a joke that i i'm always doing like another thing like oh here's another thing you should do dr chris here's another thing you should try you know and um oh you know like oh good because I have all this time. I I should take on another task or another yes. project. Yes, all your free time. There's a half business. an hour in the middle of the night. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> so how do you how do you manage trying to? So it sounds like you're kind of claiming that same title. Um, I for for a little bit, I I, I discovered I was a multi potentialite. That's just a you know a label that I'm using on that, but. But so I discovered that I, in other words, I love to do a lot of different things. And at first I was like, oh no, that's like, that's not good. Like I, because, because people that, that are successful, they they do one thing and they do it really well. And that's all they do all the time. And, and so that's what I need to do. Like I have to find my one thing. And then pretty quickly, actually, I figured out. Uh, actually, that's not going to work for me. I, I love doing a lot of different things. I just, that's like part of how I'm made up. And so it sounds like you really get that. How do you manage 
loving to do all these different things and still having to like put um put focused attention on one thing at a time i guess this is the most perfect question anyone could ever ask me because I battled with it for a while. Same like you, I have to learn how to set goals and stay on task. And as soon as I would wander off in my natural, it's just my nature, I would think there was something wrong with it. I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do. I don't know how to stay focused. Maybe I should go to the doctor. I have ADD. Something's <laughs> yeah, wrong. Yeah. I need medication. You know, we all like, why am I like a little kid? I can't stay on task. And I was really frustra frustrated by it. And then I finally realized, wait a second, I'm 41 years old. I've been like this my whole life. I don't think there's anything wrong because I, I function pretty well. And I realized that for me, my driving value is feeling free and passionate about whatever it is I'm doing. So if I enter a situation and I don't feel free and passionate, it's not the right mix of things for me. So for my business... That's a perfect example. If you put me in an office working for someone else, I would probably die like a rat in a laboratory in like a box. I yeah. It's just not my optimal uh, breeding ground. So I had to learn that about myself and embrace it and say, look, there's nothing wrong with it. It's actually a gift. There's some people who don't have that range of emotion and passion and desire to do all of the things all at one time. So I had to first own the fact that this is who I was like the fact that who this is who I was and realize, okay, I can work within this framework. So because I'm multi-passionate, I have to learn, and it's definitely my biggest challenge or someone would say, what's the hardest thing about this is I have to create a schedule for myself, not someone else's template. And some people use different apps that 30 minutes and you have to stay on task and you can't, those are difficult right. for me. I'll be honest with you. Um, because I am a rebel by nature. So if you tell me what I have to do, I'm most likely going to try to find a way out of it. Even oh, if man, it would we be. We are like two peas in a pod, <laughs> Sherry. I, I, I was on Facebook the other day and uh, I'm so sorry to interrupt, but it's just no, too it's, much fun. Yes. I was on Facebook the other day and I'm, I'm in like different groups, right? These yes. private groups and stuff where we talk about one thing or another thing. And it's uh, supposed to be like uh, like-minded people in there. Yes. And so this guy that sort of um what's the right word not narrates but uh curates or something he like he asks questions and he kind of keeps the conversation flowing and he's stuff like through. the moderator in the group yeah he's like the moderator yeah and he said okay just want to like here here's like a little whatever a game or a question for today like what's what are your schedules and stuff and and um and he said here's my schedule for for every week right currently like he you know he may do it differently in the future and stuff but right now he's like Wednesdays are my day that I call clients Thursdays are my day that I do webinars Fridays are my day that I write blogs Saturdays are you know and it like yes. it was literally like he had one huge thing that he did for that whole day yeah and and then he and then he said at the end he's like What's your schedule? Is your week running you or are you running your week? And I yeah. and, and I I see that kind of question and I'm like, oh, no, I hope my schedule's not running me like, you know, and yep. it's so funny because I'm so introspective. People can ask me a question. and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I better check in about <laughs> no that, one else you know? read it. And you're like, you know, thinking about it for three days. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I see those people all the time and there's value in it. And I understand why they do it. And I guess part of me envies that they can do. But if you tell me that Wednesday's my creation day, I can almost guarantee you, Chris, I will not be able to create that day because you told me that that's my creation day. So right. I've had to learn and I'm still working on it, how to figure out my own schedule that I still feel free, but I also stay on task instead of only doing a little bit of all of the things, which I like to do a little bit all the things, but I want to make sure that I finish my tasks. So the way that I've worked around it is by creating the freedom in my business that I don't do one thing. So there are a lot of people who will say to me, and even as I describe what I do, most people in the back of there is like, well, she does a lot of things. And, and I do, I own that. And I do a lot of things because that's what I teach. I believe in it. I don't believe you have to pick one thing. I don't believe you have to only do 
one niche for three years and then switch. Maybe that works for some people. I'm sure it does. I can see the value in it if that works for you. But if it doesn't, I don't believe wholeheartedly in all areas of life in shoving yourself into a box that doesn't fit you. I took many years to climb out of boxes that I didn't want to be in. So that's not something that I'm comfortable walking back into. Even if it would make me millions of dollars, I would still rather figure it out on my own way. Because to me, the the style of living and the quality of life is much more important to me than any monetization. And I know for me, if I feel fully myself, the money will follow. So that's just a choice that I've made for myself. And I find a lot of clients almost exhale in relief when I say that to them. Like, oh, that's allowed. I'm like, anything's allowed because you're the one making this. Yeah, I love it. And it's, you know, it's not the easy road, but we don't roll by easy roads. That's not what most of us are looking for if we're forging our own way. And creative minds don't really <laughs> measure by what's easy and not easy. We're driven by a call. We're driven by a mission. We're driven by things we see bigger than ourselves that we want to make happen in the world by serving other people, by helping other people see their own potential and their own growth possibility. They don't have to be in pain emotionally or physically. Yes. Oh, that stuff makes me feel so alive. Sure. Yeah, me too. And you, you and I are the same way. So time doesn't matter. It's not, oh, I don't have time for you that day. Come to me at 12 o'clock at night. I had a client the other night in Australia from nine to midnight. I couldn't fall asleep because I was so excited and driven and I need my sleep. But it's bigger than that. It's I don't want to sit, fit on a template. I don't live life on a template. My brain doesn't work on one. So I just, the connection is what I thrive on. So I do anything to make enough room for as much connection as I can in my life. So great. Sherry, I tend to surround myself with people that kind of will understand this conversation. Like it'll be like, it'll be like, oh yeah, yeah. I, I know just what they're talking about. A lot of the patients that I have in my clinic are like that. It's just because of who I am, that's who I attract to some degree. And there's a lot of people that aren't awake to that idea. Oh, yes. You know, there's there's this idea that there's sort of two main motivators in life. People either go towards pleasure or away from pain. Mm Mm-hmm. But a lot of people spend more time going away from pain than towards pleasure, like sometimes I think. Yes. If people aren't awake to the idea of, I was going to say I want more, but in in some ways that can sound kind of materialistic, but it's not, it's not that I want a bigger house, I want more cars or... I'm more out of life. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, I want growth. I want more connection with my family, more, I want to be more grounded. I want to have more... I want my health to be more robust and, you know, stuff like that, right? Yes. Do you have any tricks for yourself that when you meet the people that, because we all have that light in us. Mm-hmm. So many of us are shut down because of one fear or another. And it's just so sad. You know, I mean, as as happy as I get when we're talking about people and and, uh, freedom and passion and creativity and really going after what you want and and self-actualization and all this stuff. I mean, I get so jazzed and pumped when we talk about that. And then I think about people that aren't doing that. And I just my heart is just aches for those people. And I'm wondering if you have any ways that you try to spark that light that's inside that's being kept kind of controlled and maybe put away and maybe even forgotten. Do you ever try to kind of spark that again in people like interest in in other words, interest them in more um i don't know it's more spiritual life or whatever we want to call it or or do you just or do you just keep looking until you find the people that are already looking for that uh your questions are unbelievable honestly both i am a very very good interviewer you really are a very (laughs) very good interviewer and you ask my sort of questions and i'm sitting here actually with tears in my eyes because A few years ago when I was in my dark place and I literally was laying on the floor feeling very lost, feeling very unseen and misunderstood. And these were the kind of conversations that I craved so badly that I didn't know if existed, but I needed to go and find them. And the fact that I'm I'm just taking like a moment of gratitude to let it wash over me that Mm. 
I built what exactly what I wanted in my life. So just give me a second on that one. <laughs> Thank you for showing up. But it's like people out of the woodworks. And like you said, there are those of us that we when we find each other, it's like, oh, okay, it's not just me. You too. And, you know, we walk <laughs> hand in hand with all our different avenues. But it's, it, it creates momentum in the world that makes change possible in all ways. So besides that, I needed to say that. Uh, yes to both questions. So for me, I actually call myself a soul sparker. My sessions are soul spark sessions. I believe that everyone has that spark and I want to be as much of a pilot light for people to know what's possible in their life. So yes to both. Yes, I come up against a lot of people and I say against, not in front of who, look, people are drawn to me for a reason, whether they're ready for it or not. So I, I'm very respectful of people's processes because I'm a jaded New Yorker. I remember being at the stage that if someone had come up to me with this stuff, I may have spit at them if they started talking to me like I was that feisty about leave me alone, I can't change. So I'm very respectful about people's journeys, but I like to leave the space open to let them know that other things are possible. And I totally understand and remember well what if feels like not to believe that. It's a valid thing to not believe it. But those sort of people, I will to be To not more, believe that you can change. Exactly. To not believe or that, that more is possible for them. Or, you know, they get to that place. It's an evolution. So the first stage is you're making this stuff up. Next stage is, well, you can change or it's possible for other people. But I, because of, and they run a long laundry list of oh why God, yes. it's not for them. And I'm sure you come against this completely with so many physical ailments. Yeah, but when I was three, I banged my knee and I don't can't use my knee anymore. I want to grow, but I just exactly. can't because my husband, blah, blah, Precisely. blah. Precisely. Precisely. You know, it's all the fences that we put around ourselves to stay safe to not changing. And I completely honor and accept that in other people that that's where they are. But if you leave a glimmer of light, almost like a little flickering tea light on a table in the midst of their dark, imaginary, numb world that they think they're living actually in, they start to notice it. And as we know, just energetically, what you notice grows. What you focus on develops more. What you ignore doesn't go anywhere. So a lot of times... I just had this like awesome visual of like this totally black room yeah. and the person... Uh, say the person knows that you're in the room and they're looking at you and they see this little flame and they're attracted to the flame and they're 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 happy that that you're in the room with them because because at least there's this light yes. and in all the darkness. Chris, if I could then, impact people then, with Sherry, that alone, exactly, just for then, them to then feel here's seen. The, but here's the end of it. You got to hear the end, and then. They realize the light gets a little bit bigger, and then they realize you you're in the room, but you're they can't see you. You're actually standing behind a mirror. They're whole yeah. that, it, right in front of them, and that light that they're looking at is actually their light. And they thought that that light had gone out, but in fact, you just helped them to see that it's that it's it's there anytime that they need it. You literally just defined my entire mission on this planet. That, that, right there. That's all I ever want to do. I don't want to fix anyone. I don't want to save anyone. I did that for years because I love so hard. And I realized that I was taking away people's journey if I tried to do that like in my own life. So when I started doing this professionally, all I can do is hold a mirror and help them uncrust themselves and find their light again. It's not my light that I'm throwing on them. It's not my way that works for everyone. My way changes for myself on a daily basis. So who would I be to tell someone, here, follow these three steps and you will magically change your life? Absolutely not. I go in the trenches and I undo. There's so much more to unbelieving than learning new things. You know, many people go on like these spiritual enlightened journeys and they think the more information they gather and the infotainment and they just pile on and buy 50 more books. I'm not saying that the books are not helpful. I have them too. It's not going to land with you until you're ready. The answers are within you. It sounds very trite. Sometimes they need to be heard from outside of you in order for you to remember from the inside that it's your answer. And it can but help to have tools and Absolutely. And Those are all very like important, that. especially when you're undoing a life that 
you didn't belong in. But at the end of the day, the light is yours. The road is yours. It's your choice to walk on it. It's your choice to stop and rest on the side. It's your choice to do it alone, to bring other people in, to find a community, to find a mentor, to go in the direction of your work Start with physical. My work, start with emotional. Other people will go to the more spiritual. You know, the third version is a spiritual. I don't care what window you climb in. You want to heal your gut first and then go? Absolutely. I'm happy to introduce you to my friend Chris. He's he's in charge of the bodily functions. Go over that way. You know, I have friends who are psychics who, whether I fully believe in it or not, I don't care if it's the Rice Krispies you had in the morning that makes you feel better about your life to be bold and step forward and lean into change. God bless Rice Krispies. You know, I don't need this to be mine. I don't want, you know, a feather in my hat saying I changed you. I can't change anyone. I can show up and help someone not feel alone. That's that's all I want to do in this world. And then with that, that brings us uh, kind of full circle because I feel like we started the conversation talking about supposed tos. Yes. Um, and it's funny because I feel like every time we talk, we're talking, you and I, we're talking yes, about what shoulds, <laughs> shitting all over ourselves yes. and supposed tos and all this stuff. And, and it's, uh, it's because we're both in this to, to grow and, and be free and be passionate for ourselves. And then, because that's what drives us. That's what we, we just desperately want that for others. Yes. You don't yeah. need, there is no supposed to. No. There is no spoon. No. And what's so confusing about when you focus on that is this, the supposed to keeps moving. Your target will keep moving to the left, to the right, if you if that's all you're aiming for. Mm. And it can feel very confusing when you think you got somewhere and then you didn't get anywhere. And it's the opposite of peace because you can't ever find it because it's like, oh, okay, as soon as I get this next house or this next business. And it's so exhausting because the drain is still there. So you feel even more lost when you reach that whatever the target was and the emotional peace is still missing. It's like, why am I? I'm on a never ending train. You realize you're a hamster on a wheel. You're not a person on a mission. It's very frustrating, it's very disheartening, and it's really scary because then you have to start all over again searching. Wow. I mean, this is one of the most heartfelt conversations that I've had on the show. And be sort of almost because of that, it's intrinsically, it's a lot harder to just give people pragmatic, actionable steps that they can take at home to, you know, mm-hmm. Eat more green beans if you want to, you know, have a flatter uh, stomach or, you know, or whatever. What do you think? Do you have any tips to help people get started? Obviously, we'll talk about like they can they can reach out to you if if they want to have a conversation with you. Uh, But do you have any tips for for people that want to just like, man, where's my spark? Yeah. So my big thing is that these are big topics. They're they're deep. There's a lot to them. You have to have a lot of awareness to go on this journey. And I think that frightens a lot of people away from even bothering like, oh, I don't want to go down another rabbit hole. I'm just trying to make it do on my own picnic table that I don't want to be sitting at. So I understand how big this can feel. But I also believe in small baby steps because I believe it's a muscle to be built. I don't think there's a quick answer. I don't oh, think it's one. a journey. I mean, Absolutely. And it's there. also it's not – even on the road that you and I have taken ourselves on, does it mean every day is glorious? Hell no. I, I wouldn't want to be on it if it was an easy road. That's not my way. I'm feisty by nature. I'm scrappy. I like to fight through things. Um, Sometimes I want it to be a little easier. <laughs> okay. Maybe every other day would be nice to just coast a little bit. But I would for, – for clients of mine and I, I – will extend this to anybody. I don't think that someone can only speak to someone if they pay them. I've been there. I know what it feels like. Sometimes you just need to have a conversation to to feel seen and understood. So if there's anybody who just wants to have a conversation, no pitch, no sales, no anything like that, you know, I'll I'll give Chris my information to put my website, my email. I'm open to anyone who wants to just have a conversation to please reach out to me because I believe that everyone has that right to be heard and understood. So that's a side note. But um, it starts in baby steps. You can't skip 
pieces of this. It doesn't work like that. So I would tell people and I tell my clients to start with the awareness. Just be aware. Keep a small notebook next for you if you're not a journaler. Just be cognizant of it. What feels like it's not working? What feels like it does work? Because when you have a vellum over your life where it's that numb feeling and there's a fogginess, you can't clearly see anything. So the first piece that I think, whether you work with someone or you do this on your own, is being very honest with yourself, which sounds a lot easier than it is because most of us lie to ourselves most of the days just to get through or we're following the rules. Of course, it should be working, right? I'm happy in my relationships. Uh Uh-huh. I love my job. So just noticing without judgment or beating yourself up, notice where you've landed in your life. Notice how you allow yourself to be treated, the messages you tell yourself on a daily basis, how do you speak to yourself, what are the types of relationships you've surrounded yourself with, what's showing up a lot in your life because you'll start to notice patterns. When you start to notice the patterns, again, without a judgment, but kind of like an overall objective look is, is this something that I'd like to keep in my life? I see a pattern of, let's say, I'm not great at receiving, so I seem to give a lot. I give, a, I overgive at work. I overgive at home. It seems as though it's like an anthropological study of yourself, kind of step out of yourself and watch like, huh, if I were, if this was a friend and I'd be watching him or her, I would say, you know, you seem to overgive. And I think that it may come from maybe you don't feel worthy if you're not overgiving. Interesting. It's an interesting perspective. Is that something that I'd like to keep in my life? Or if it were possible, I'm not saying that I can change anything, but if I could change it, is it something that I would put on my list of you know things to work on? Yeah, I think I would like to learn how to receive a little more. Maybe there's a relationship within work that you don't like. There, You'll notice as you start looking, everything's going smoothly with everyone except there's one person that really gets under my skin. Is it them or is it me? My relationship with my partner. There's something about it that, you know, I get a pit in my stomach. We start noticing your bodily reactions, your emotional reactions to things. Start to notice your patterns without judgment. And then you can decide Is it worth putting work into? Is it something I have to let go? Is this one piece holding a key to so much else that I'm holding on to? You kind of check out the puzzle pieces to see, almost like a Jenga game. Like if I pull one piece out, will the whole thing fall or will it actually make everything balance better if I remove that aspect, if I work on myself, if I stand up and speak my piece of I don't like to be treated this way. So I would say a first step is to start noticing and decide again, not saying I know how, you don't have to know how, you don't have to know how to fix something or do something different or it's too big. It's smaller than that. It's bite size of just seeing what's around you and then going from there. You can, once you notice it, what you'll find out quickly is you can never unnotice it again. (laughs) It doesn't go away again. So you don't unnumb to that same thing. And you may find new answers to questions you had never asked yourself just by noticing. Good one. You like that one? (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, I'm I'm just going to lay on top of that, that I'm just going to remind you, not you, but I'll remind me and then other people can listen to me remind me that there is no supposed to, there's no should. And so as you're, you know, trying to decide, oh, should I, you know, it's so easy to say, should I, do I think it'll be best to work on this relationship or end this relationship? Do I think it'll be best for me to stay in this job and, and innovate it into something else or to step out of this job and, you know, and all those things instead of, uh, here's, here's an actionable step for me, go one day without saying the word should. Mm. you know it's just it's a it's one of those things that can it can lead to just more awareness of yourself yep so that's awesome and you're almost making room without the shoulds and the deciding and the have to's there's not a lot of space for exploration when every sentence ends with those because you're stopping the thoughts in their tracks. You're not allowing them to continue on. Like you said, if you just wonder a little bit, you may say, actually, you know what? That relationship is something I want to keep in my life. And all of a sudden you have a refueled view on something you haven't been paying attention to. So it doesn't always mean you're going to find something horrible at the end of it. 
or an awareness that there may be something you want to shift. It's a lot of people are afraid to ask the questions or afraid to hear the answers, but it doesn't have to always be dramatic. It could just be a reshifting of the pots on the um, flames to see what's in the front burner, what goes in the back burner. What have I been missing out on that I haven't even noticed is there because I wasn't looking. Uh, Sherry, I really want to just keep going, but <laughs> I know <laughs> three hours later, our interview is still going. Right, right. Uh, because I, all right, I'm just gonna do this another question. As you were talking, I was thinking about how a lot of times people don't think about this. Like they do follow the shoulds for a lot of years. Like, and this is just classic. I mean, the years, the numbers are different for different people and not everybody falls into this, but man, is it, is it just so classic to have someone that's kind of following the rules, whether they think they're a rule follower or not, even Mm -hmm. like sometimes, sometimes that's not even what you identify with, but you're still like, like you go through your childhood and you kind of, you basically kind of follow the rules what you're either like following like the 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 rules that like school lays out or your parents lays out or maybe you're like well i'm rebelling against my parents and then like but then you're following the rules that like someone else laid out like your whatever your buddy laid out or or whatever and a lot of times you're um you 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 go through life you're doing Okay, now I'm just building. I just gotta, you know, get through high school. Then I gotta. Okay, now I gotta go th- go to college. Now I gotta get through college. Now I gotta find a mate, and I have to get married, and then I have to have kids and stuff. And I'm not saying every th- th- those supposed to's aren't the same for everybody, yeah. but it's so classic that to to go through and and to have those things. And a lot of times, I feel like it's like. I'm going to say most classically upper thirties. I I mean yes. again, like it's. The number could be different for different people. Maybe you're an early bloomer or whatever. You're lucky. Exactly. I hope you are. I feel like if I had to pick a five-year window that's most classic, it's 35 to 40 or something. I agree with you. And like the shit hits the fan sort Mm -hmm. of. And now now I have to rate this uh, episode explicit because I just (laughs) said. uh, I've been trying so hard to behave. It's your fault. (laughs) (laughs) The shit hits the fan in in one proverbial way or another, and all of a sudden you're you're broke, you're bankrupt, yep. you're divorced, you're all three, you know, or whatever, whatever it is, or maybe like a key loved one dies, or yes. or whatever. Like there's all your kinds... boat is going to get rocked. Yes, your boat has been rocked at this point, and now it's it's like wait a second, what have I been doing? And so that's kind of the conversation that we've been having for this hour. Yep. And you're, but you're a mom and, and I'm a dad. And so we have kids and I just can't help but, but go to thinking about, I mean, this is, it's going to sound so futile as soon as I say it, but it's like, I want to save my kids from yes. all the crap, you know? And I do believe on one hand that, there is no way to save someone from from it anything like i mean uh, e- even your kids i mean your life is life is is pain according to the buddhists right like i mean it's you're going to have crap happen it, that's how you grow i mean that's how you get tested is and how you figure out who i am so I, you're going to have crap and my daughters are going to have crap that they have to go through so it's it's not that I'm like in illusion about that, but at the same time, man, as the steward of their life while they're while they're developing, sort of as their father, I would just love to be able to impart any like tools, like I like I try to give them my experience, and and I I know so many parents are are thinking like yeah like that's absolutely that's what I do too like I try to teach my kids what I think is important and and you know if you think the thing that's important is that the fork goes on this side of the plate and the spoon goes on this side of the plate that's what you teach your kids and if you think what's important is a spiritual connection to those around you then you're teaching them about that but how how do you approach Sherry, in five minutes or less, I want you to tell us how you approach being a mother. (laughs) (laughs) No pressure and go. You know, 
Ah, oh, another great question. I got to say, I think I'm a pretty good interviewer. You have surpassed me, my dear. You're amazing. <laughs> These are the best questions. And I have to be honest with you. I call them, I have two sons, one's 16, one's 13. I call them my lighthouses. If I didn't have them, I don't know if I would have been here. Given a very rough divorce, um, a very rough marriage, a stumble out back into real life trying to figure out who the hell I was, who I was as a mother, redefining every aspect of my life and getting up and starting over. If I didn't have them, it would have just been all dark at the time. So I'm very grateful to have them. And the reason that I left my marriage, I was totally numb. I didn't feel anything. I was running through the motions, you know, the ideal Stepford wife. Everything looked perfect from the outside. But I looked at these two kids and like you just said, they learn from what they see. You can tell them whatever you want and think you're disseminating all the wisdom of the world. They watch you. They watch how you react to life. They oh, watch no. your facial expressions. <laughs> I know we're all we're all on our own reality TV shows at all times. So I looked at these kids who were seven and nine at the time when I got divorced after a long divorce, which started when they were five and seven. Um I looked at them and said, what do I want to teach them? What What's the point of all this pain? What's the point? I, said, I want them to teach them that you go find your happiness, whatever that means. And it was the hardest lesson to teach them. I don't know what they took away from it. I'm hoping that they learn something. But they learn resilience. They learn finding your own power. I mean, they watched me. I didn't hide my hard days. They sat with me. We talked about it. I explained what I was feeling, not because I needed them to save me, but because this was actual living. I had a wonderful childhood. My parents are incredible. They got married at 19 and 22. They've been together since 12 and 15. I joke around with them. They ruined marriage for me. I had no idea what was coming. They make it look easy. <laughs> So I wanted them to understand that what happens when life doesn't work out like it's supposed to on paper. That's where the lessons are. That's where you figure out who you are, what you're capable of, what you can make happen, what you can decide for your life. So being a mother has actually kept me on task. I always joke around with them. They like hold me by my face mask because I don't have the flexibility to have a bad day and climb into my bed and pull the covers over my head. I have mouths to feed. I have people watching me. I have kids who want to learn about life. I can't send them to school and tell them they have to do what they have to do if I can't do what I have to do. So I redefined what have to means. What do I want to do? What do I want to create in this world? I'm laughing. I went to my 16-year-old's parent-teacher conference last week, and I sat down in front of each teacher. And my kids go to a Jewish day school, so it's dual curriculum. It's really difficult. I went to the same kind of school, and I'm thinking, why the hell am I doing this to my kid? Anyway, I said to each teacher, as I sat down, it's like a speed dating. It's like six minutes in front of them in a massive room. No pressure. Really easy to focus. My head, I'm like I, not meant to be in big rooms with lots of people, like a squirrel. Um, and I said to each of them, I hope his grades are okay. I hope he's being respectful. But to be honest with you, I don't really care about his grades. And they all looked at me and I'm like, listen. I'm a transformational coach. I want my kid, in Yiddish, the word is a mensch. I want him to be a good person. I want him to be respectful to his friends and to you. I want him to take ownership of what belongs to him. I want him to make the decisions for his life that will matter. So if a 98 on your math test that he's not, it doesn't matter to me, each one of them, a couple of them were shocked, but most of them like, you know what? I wish every parent said that because one of the teachers gave me the example that you know, there's 16-year-old kids. The kids were getting feisty in the classroom. An hour later, she got an email from my son apologizing for his behavior in class. Like, I think I took it too far. I said, honestly, that's a straight A to me. So whatever happens in his grades, don't tell him I told you that. But that's the takeaway. Learning how to modulate yourself in your life, knowing when you overstepped your lines. And I need to learn that for myself. And they watch me screw it up on a daily basis live. And they've watched me build my business. I get a new big client. There's like a family dance that goes on. And, <laughs> you know, I grew up, my dad had his own business. I didn't know what was going on. It was a different generation. But like, if I teach them live, then work means something different. Living means something different. Navigating relationships means something different. They watch me struggle on a daily basis with a difficult relationship with their dad. I'm not proud of the way it all plays out. But they see me showing up as best as I can and take a deep breath and make a choice within a difficult situation. So being a mother has honestly 
been my best growing because it's messy, it's sloppy sometimes, it's vulnerable, it's raw, but then I really get to walk my talk. I can't go teach this stuff and then go stand on my laurels in my life pretending I'm someone that I'm not. Yeah, yeah, right. Being a parent forces Ooh, you to It is uh, just, interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to say the least. It's like it... I, I want to be more because yes. I have these kids. Precisely. I mean, if I... Before I had the kids, it was just like, oh, what what, what movie do I want to watch tonight? Yeah. Or, or, you know, and it's just like nothing, nothing mattered as much. It was just like as long as I had a little bit of a little bit of pleasure, I could just, you know, sort of just survive ish kind of. <laughs> yeah. And it's also a lot easier to lie to ourselves when we don't we're not accountable in that sense to other people. And I think that's a big thing that I start with my clients in because I had to do it with myself. So I understand the importance of no one in means to lie to themselves, but to really tell yourself the truth about where you are, how you make your decisions, how you feel about different things. That's really where it starts off is to think you had a very productive week, but you sat and watched movies all week. It's not a judgment. It's just be aware of the truth and then go from there. So when you have kids, you can't lie to yourselves because and you have girls, so they must be much tougher than my boys are more forgiving. But <laughs> girls will be more than happy to let their parents know exactly where they're failing at any point in time. <laughs> oh, man. When my when my oldest turned 13, I, I was shocked because all of a sudden she was more uh, wise and intelligent yes. and knew more than I did. And I I was so surprised that... At 13, she knew more than I did at 36. Like, how did you do that? That's that's oh, amazing. Yes. <laughs> yes. Fascinating. And in, in it's an instant. You just needed to hit girl puberty. You would have been so much wiser than you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's that's fine. Like, wait, you used to love me. What happened? This was working for a while. Yeah, girls are scary. <laughs> you know what's funny? I've done quite a few episodes of this now, and uh, I've probably done between two and two and three dozen um, interviews probably and this is the first this is the first time I ever thought I should see I should ask Sherry if she'll be like my co-host we should just always I'm honored we should just always do this together this is Uh, so much fun I feel like we're getting into like the real the real stuff man yes yeah (laughs) no I agree and I always say, and I think I said it when I interviewed you, I truly believe that everyone is ready to hear these kind of conversations, even if they don't know how to have them yet. Mm. Yeah, yeah, right. It's a little bit safer, too. Yeah, and it also opens up their minds, just like we were talking about before. Where do you start? This is where you start. Self-care of listening to a podcast, taking yourself outside of what you think you know and what you've decided it's all supposed to look like and knowing maybe there's another perspective. I'm not saying we're gurus. We know so much. We've done the work on ourselves. We show up constantly. We're very vulnerable and open about what it takes to change your life. And if if an hour of listening to two people talk about that stuff is all you give yourself, it's more than you gave yourself yesterday. It's more that you can believe or ponder or think about or explore or just let land for a while like that tea light on the table. Just leave it there. See what grows from there. So good. I mean, Jerry. I know we're no Howard Stern, but, you know, <laughs> the replacement of Howard, in between Howard Stern's wisdom, you can throw us in there. <laughs> right. It's another New York Jew. Come on. I got to get props for that, right? <laughs> yeah. I, uh, boy, you kind of lost me on that one, Sherry. I, <laughs> I honestly, like, I have stayed away from him as much as I could. <laughs> Precisely. So, you know, it's also, that's another point of, like, realizing what you put into your life. So there's food that we have t- to detox from. There's social media to detox from, the kind of movies and TV. The news is very toxic. I'm not saying be an uneducated consumer of life, but notice what impact this sort of stuff has in your life. What do you consume on a daily basis? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, on all those levels. Yeah. Closing thoughts. Closing if thoughts. If any. I never really close my thoughts. They just sort of continually run. (laughs) Exactly. There's that multi-passionate thing. My closing thoughts are, I would just say 
to start being curious. People always say to me, what's with you in this creativity and passion stuff? It's so naive. It sounds so simplistic. I've got other stuff to do in my life. I don't have time for that. So people say, what does creativity mean? I'm not artistic. It has nothing to do with art being artistic. Um, It's about being curious. It's about bringing back that childhood wonder. What did you love to do? What did you, how did you, you know, a walk to school was a skip down a road or a trip in a spaceship, you know, find that place in your brain that likes to play with things from a curiosity place because there's so much wisdom waiting in there. We've all shut that door. I don't care who you think you are. Even artists have shut that door. So I think for me, my biggest takeaway for people is to walk around for one week and just be curious in your life. You don't have to find any answers. You don't even have to ask any questions if you're not ready to. But just take notice and watch what's going on in your life. So that's my biggest, uh, I would say my biggest takeaway. It's like the it's like the, the little kid who always says why. Well, exactly. Well, why? I, a friend of mine who's a pretty big coach said to me, people ask me when he trains other coaches – what, how, what does he do? He said, I act like my three-year-old. I ask why after every sentence till the answer finally tumbles out out of annoyance at me that I haven't stopped. I'm like, that's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is good. Annoy the living hell out of them till they finally like, fine, my mother once yelled at me. And then all of a sudden they open their eyes like, I feel so much better. He's like, I literally model my three-year-old. He's my best business mentor. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Any parent will understand that moment, right? When you don't want to have that conversation. <laughs> Sherry, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. This has been amazing. You bet. Bye. Visit drchrisfrickman.com for more cutting-edge content, including nutrition and detoxification advice, unique fitness videos, and more. 